welcome to All in the Library, a podcast where two librarians talk about books with other librarians, students, teachers, and hopefully a few authors along the way. I'm Leslie Nicholson, a middle school librarian. And I'm Debbie Sewell, a high school librarian. So without any further ado, let's get started with our next episode. This week, we have a guest host, fellow librarian, Brooke King. Yay. We're interviewing author James Ponty. Welcome, Brooke. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, we're glad to have you. So I hear you have a connection to James Ponty. Tell us about that. So James and I met when James's book, Dead City, was on the Texas Blue Bonnet Award list. I was serving on the committee that year and the authors came to present at a Blue Bonnet program at Texas Library Association's annual conference. After hearing James speak, I wanted him to come back to our school district for an author visit. And um, after his visit in our district, I we just kept in touch. He came back to visit my students um, and try out his concept of toast with them, which if you've read the Framed series, it's the theory of all small things. And um, I went to visit him in Florida when the American Library Association's conference was in Orlando that year. And um, he sent me manuscripts to read. And, and because of our relationship and his relationships with a few other librarians that helped him get started, he made us all characters in his book, Trapped in that series. Oh, fun. Super oh fun. Um, I can't tell you what my character did in that series. You'd have to read it. And ah, that that's book. amazing. Okay, is I'm going to read that one. I know. Is she, yeah. is it Brooke? Is she named Brooke? She's named Brooke King. Oh, oh really? yes. She's a librarian and a bookstore owner too. Oh, nice. wow. That is Who really else is in it? Cool. Do we know anyone else? Um, no, no other librarians from our district, oh. but yes. Um, that's and, amazing. And then, so yes, it's so much fun. Without any further ado, Brooke, take it away. I would like to introduce New York Times bestselling author, James Ponty. Thank you for taking the time away from your busy schedule of book promotions to join us. We are honored to have you today. Well, it is always an honor for me to talk to you anyway. I mean, we've known each other for years and, um, you know, I, I, I think Humble was one of the first places that ever noticed me back when I was on the Blue Bonnet list so many years ago now, it seems. And now I was just talking with Leslie and Debbie about how we met on the Blue Bonnet list and how um, I asked you to come back to Humble to for an author visit and how much fun that was. Um, we didn't really talk about the author visit so much, but that was fun at our school um, about Dead City and a whole little zombie party and everything. It was a great time for sure. Um, so let's talk about how you got started though as a writer. Um, I know you did not start off writing full time at the beginning. Do you want to tell us what you did before you began? Well, I was, I, was, I was always a writer, but I was a TV writer. So, you know, I guess it depends on what, what version of the word you use. Um, I started, I decided to be a writer in the fifth grade. I was hooked. I never changed my mind. I always knew what I wanted to do, except I didn't know what I wanted to write. And I was not a strong reader growing up. So I migrated toward um, film and television and I got a degree in screenwriting. And so I worked for years in children's TV at Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and PBS and places like that. And then I migrated over to producing TV shows. And when I did that, I really missed writing. And so um, 
because it was more the job was about production and cameras and stuff. And so I started to see if I could write a book. And I, I wrote Dead City and that made the blue bonnet list, which was great and wonderful. And I kept writing on the side. And so for about seven years, I worked TV all day for NBC Sports and then worked um, writing in the evening and on the weekends, um, writing books. And in about a year, a little over a year ago, I switched and so now I'm writing books full time. That's awesome. So moving away from Dead City a little bit into um, some of your other series and your mysteries, I am really impressed how you piece those together. Like especially I've, I actually have just finished the first City Spies um, recently and they're all over the place in Europe. Um, well, this one's mostly in Paris, but um, but I know it seems like there's a ton of research involved. How do you prepare to write these books? Ooh, what is your yeah. process here? Well, it, it, it's funny that you ask it right now, because at the moment I am in the early stages of writing City Spice 4. And I, if I had hair, I would be pulling it out. I'm, you know, I pretty much pulled it all out by this point. Because you're doing, you're, you're trying to simultaneously combine um, geography and exciting cities and adventures and mysteries, but also come up with things that come together and are relevant to the life of a 12 and 13 year old, you know, and, and, and you're doing all that. So one of the things I lean on heavily is research. Um, I've always researched the book. So I wrote a series of mysteries called the Frame Series, and those were all set in Washington. And I would go to Washington and I mean, I would do this for Dead City. I would go to New York and walk around looking for places to set stories. I'd go to Washington. And after the first book kind of got a little attention, then people were better about when I would call and say, hey, can I come to the Library of Congress and get a behind the scenes tour? And they would give me that. So that was great. And so I, I would tour around this way. Um, City Spice actually started on a family vacation to London and Paris to visit our son who was in school in England. And so that was kind of research. And now, you know, it maybe it's because New York Times bestseller is in there. I can, I call people and they're usually, or write to people and they're usually pretty great about responding. So for City Spice 3, I planned the spy mission with the former deputy director of the CIA his wife, his wife happens to be a middle school librarian, which to my good fortune, and she loves the books and she put us together. Um, there That's is, amazing. It is. It's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I call him. I, I, I wrote to him because I said, your wife volunteered you and I'm sure you had no idea and you don't want any part of this. But on the off chance you do, since for 30 years you plan spy missions, I would love your help. And he instantly wrote back, no, I'd love to. And so we worked it out. I said, I want to do this, this, and this. How would you really do it? And that's so much better than making up some corny thing that I saw kind of inspired in a movie or something like that. Um, right now, I am the City Spice 4 book, which I don't know if I should say this out loud yet, but it ends up in, in Egypt and there are, you know, pyramids and tombs and whatnot. And so I just Googled Egyptologist and wrote to the most famous one and she oh helped gosh. me a ton. She wrote back within a couple hours and said, sure. And, and, I, and I think people, so the researcher in me, the geek in me, which is most of me, loves this. I mean, I love finding out things. I mean, I get to 
call the, talk to the guy who ran the CIA for a couple times and say that, you know, how would you do this? And I want to know. But um, I think for them, it is a chance to set the record straight with young readers. It's such an, an important thing that we give, you know, we, we reach kids and, and talk about these exciting fields, you know, and, and, and not get in their heads cliches or tropes that come from laziness. But like, this is really what would happen. And, oh, you know, and, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but it's just so much fun to do the research, but it's so hard to sift through it. I mean, yesterday- I was gonna say, after you get all of this oh. material, how do you organize it to piece it together to like give just bits oh. and pieces to your readers at the right moments? Like, how do you do that part of it? I, I write ideas on index cards. Okay. And I lay them on the kitchen table and I move them around. And till until I see a straight line, it's like, okay, wait, that goes with that and goes with that. And then if I combine these two into one index card, now it's neater, you know, it's, you know, and, and, and you, you look and you look and look and look and you walk around the house and you take the dog for walks and you, you're grumpy when you don't mean to be, but you try to find an organization that's just kind of in there waiting to be discovered. So for example, in this, you know, I'm trying to figure out codes that go with Egypt and it's not very easy, but there is this great sculpture at the CIA headquarters and it has in it a code and it's been there for over 30 years and only three of the four codes on the sculpture have been broken. People have been trying to break it for over 35 years. One of the codes is about Howard Carter who actually, on the day we're taping this, 199 years ago, discovered King Tut's tomb. And so I thought, okay, so here I have the CIA oh, wow. code and King Tut in Egypt. And I don't know how, I still don't know how I'm gonna connect all that, but I know that I will. So right now that's three different index cards. So it was, you, it, it, today is King Tut's day, by the way. It's uh, November the 4th, we're taping this. I know it's airing a different day. So do you, um... So do you have a grand plan before you sit down to write anything like a whole or does it change or do you kind of make it up as you there is, or do you have there a has not plan? been a grand plan in my life since <laughs> I was three. You know, well, back when I thought, well, I'll just do this. I'll play center field for the Red Sox and life will be great. You know, and it's like that did not work out at all. So, no, there's no grand plans involved. There is, um, you know, the, I, I think organizing a book is more like planning a vacation um you know you want to go somewhere so okay we're going to go to new york and then you spend well how are we getting there what are we going to do there and, and, and you work on that and you always know the destination because if you don't know the destination i think the books tend to meander that doesn't mean you know exactly what happens at the end but you just try to plan the perfect trip and, and hope you stumble across it so out of curiosity, James, when you were planning or when you think, okay, I want to write this book about these spies, did you think when you start the first book, are you, do you go in it thinking that this is the, a, one and, a one and done or do you go into it thinking I want to continue this on with different places that they would go to? My, my, my editor and publisher may wish this was different, but I always think it's a series. And I think that's because I came from television. And so, so and, and, and I don't mean to minimize that because I spent four years of college studying script writing and then I spent 10, 15 years writing television. 
And that's a different type of writing than book writing. And it is inherently different in the sense that a book is typically about a character and conflict and the evolution and change that happens in the most important moment of their life. So that say is a standalone book. It's like the moment, you know, that's why we have so many coming of age books. The moment I became an adult, the moment I saw the world differently. But series books are set up differently and series books are about characters who change over longer arcs and the interaction of those characters. And my brain works that way more. So I always think series and it's not just because well, gee, if you write a series, that means you don't have to come up with, you know, like Gordon Corman has just published his 99th book. Oh my gosh. And, and Gordon's are mostly standalones. And he does two books a year that are each standalones. And I, I asked him, I go, I don't know how you come up with that many completely new and different ideas. Um, so yeah, I, for me, the idea is always series. And in that case, and again, that doesn't mean they all will be, but so far they all have been. And, and I actually just talking about a new one with my editor recently that will hopefully also be another series and it's I, I like writing them and it's my my readership so that I don't mean like my personal readership the people who I aim at I was gonna I think they love series you well, know that's what love, I was gonna say yeah middle, so. middle grade readers love series because when they finish one they know what they can read next I, I agree with you but the, the trick of question that is, for you. Um, no, yeah. Where does these ideas come from? I love that you do spies and mysteries, but where does it just pop in your head like Twilight, uh, J.K. No. Rowling? I, 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 I have heard of lightning bolt ideas, but I, I don't get those so much. <laughs> um, that, you know, they, they come from questions. You know, to me, to, you know, I, I, I've kind of described it before and it's maybe a little glib, but it's like you ask questions and questions lead to more questions until eventually you ask a question that's so complicated it can only be answered by a book. And by that, I mean, you start with, well, well what do you really want to write about? You know, okay, so, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through the evolution of City Spies. Um, so I was writing the frame books and the frame books are all pretty straightforward mysteries, kind of in the Sherlock Holmes setup of there's a main person and there's a, a, a Watson, although she's more involved than Watson is in my book. And they're all set in the backdrop of Washington, D.C. All right, the day I finished the first draft of the second book, um, I turned it in at five o'clock. At seven o'clock, we drove to the airport. At nine o'clock, we flew to London. Less than 24 hours later, I'm walking around London with my son and my wife on this vacation. And I'm exhausted because I haven't slept all week because I've been working on finishing the book, but I can't stop writing, but I can't keep writing the story that I've turned in because now my editor's gonna change it. So I started to come up with a new story and I'm looking at Buckingham Palace and I'm like, that's a good place to set a story. And I mean, this is really kind of neat because it opens up just different exotic stuff, a fun read to go to. And so in my head, I started thinking, well, maybe my characters in the third book will go to London on a vacation and solve a mystery there. And three days later, we were in Paris and my wife is going screaming at every corner. Oh my God, look at it, it's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well maybe Florian and Margaret, who the characters we framed, come to Paris, London and Paris. 
And then I thought about the Brady Bunch and how I hated it in the Brady Bunch. I kind of loved it, but in retrospect, hated it when they'd go to the Grand Canyon for three mm -hmm. days, they go to Hawaii. And it's like, man, the show kind of, uh, am I doing, am I going Brady Bunch on the third book in a series by having them go on a trip? <laughs> so what I need to do is I need to come up with a book that takes place in London and Paris that's separate from that. And a week later, we were going to the mall. This is a very long story. I apologize. You guys can edit, right? A week later, we were going to the mall and my wife wanted to go to Macy's and I didn't want to go to Macy's and hold her purse outside the changing room at all. And we entered through the bookstore and I said, why don't I stay here and come up with a book series? I was being kind of, you know, my jokey self. But I was kind of serious. And she said, okay. So she went in, she went on to look at whatever she was looking at. And I looked at the kids section and I asked myself, what's missing? And I just looked at all the covers and I thought, what's missing? And there are a lot of books like, with like big headed Albert Einstein as a kid or, you know, whatever, or these books like I survived this or that. And I thought, you know, man, Buckingham Palace, um, Eiffel Tower, those look great on covers. And I said, well, who would go there? Oh, kid, kid, kids on, well, why would kids travel? I go, well, kids were spies. They would travel. Well, why on earth would kids be spies? You know, and I said, well, okay, what if there is a spy who was looking for his children, whose children had disappeared? And so he's looking for his children all around the world and everywhere he goes and finds other kids instead, but he can't turn his back on them. So he adopts them. Okay, so what happens now if you have this spy who adopts a family of spies who's traveling around the world? And I, how do you keep the kids straight? And this is literally in this 20 minutes while my wife was in Macy's. I go, how do you keep the kids straight? I go, I know. Because I, I hate it when I'm reading and I forget, well, which one's Edgar and which one's Thomas and which one's this? I go, well, name the kids after the cities where he finds them. Those will become their code names. So one will be called Paris, one will be called Brooklyn, and et cetera, et cetera. And my wife came back and she said, do you have the idea? I said, you know, I, I honestly, I think I do. And she was like, really? And I go, yeah, I think I do. It's about these kids who are spies and they're named after the cities where they're from. You know, maybe we'll call it city spies because that's, that's where they're from. And that was the car ride home from the mall. And when I got home, then I asked myself more questions about, well, what kind of missions, what kind of this? And then always the hardest question, it's like, why would, even if it was some weird convoluted way to get there, why would MI6 ever use them? Because I wanted it to be, I didn't want them to be CIA. I didn't want it to be, I already did a Washington series. So I thought MI6 and, and UK, I thought, oh, you know what? There are probably times when adults would stand out too much, where, where you need intelligence on an area where kids can slip, because kids are overlooked and kids are unnoticed. And when I had that, that's when I had answered, asked enough questions to think, I can start writing this. Awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. That was a really long answer. I love I it. That. So I Thank love, you. love, love how you gave the characters their, um, their names for each city, uh, how they changed their names actually, but to their cities. Um, how do you come up though with the characters, each character's personalities? Oof. Well, C City Spies was the reverse of usual. 
So, and by that, I mean, so it, it all goes back to Dead Poets Society. We went to see Dead Poets Society when it came out. I was with my wife and my mother and halfway through, and I don't you know, I don't know who's listening to this, if they're grown ups or kids or whatever, but it's this, it's set to prep school back in the fifties or I guess, sixties uh, maybe. And my, my mom in the middle of the movie, she says, I can't tell them apart. And I'm like, what? And she goes, they all wore the same uniform. They all have the same haircut. And she's, she couldn't keep track. And that has always haunted me as a writer. That is, you don't want to ever disorient your viewer or your reader by something as simple as not being able to tell them apart. So I actually started with the names. I thought, I want to have names for these kids that will never be confusing. So if you know there's a kid named Paris, you instantly remember he's from France because his name is Paris. So I made a list of like 30, 40 cities in the world that would also be good character names. You know, that. You know, you don't want your kid, you know, Fort Worth, hey, Fort Worth, come over here, you know, or, you know, and so I wanted a different one from each continent and that narrowed the field. And I ended up with, with Brooklyn for North America, Rio for South America. Paris is a kid from Africa, but they find him in France. Um, Sydney's from Australia. And then Kat is the best I could come up with for a good agent. She's from Kathmandu. But I wanted, I wanted those. So once I had where they were from, I started asking myself, well, what would a kid from Sydney be like? And how would a kid from Sydney be different than a kid from Kathmandu or a kid from Brooklyn? And so I reversed opposite their, their personalities. I go, well, I need one to be really good with math. I need one to be really good with computers. I need one to be really athletic and one to be really smart. And, and, and so, and I, you know, so I thought about Rio, for example. So Rio, there's a lot of poverty in Rio. There's a lot of, it is not hard to imagine um, a kid in Rio basically being from a favela or something, um, being in need. And I go, well, you know, I grew up, it's, it's, a, it's a tourist town and I grew up in a tourist town. And, you know, I go, what if he, he's a street performer? What if this kid is a, a really good street magician? And so I thought, okay, well, and then I found out that the CIA actually hired one of Harry Houdini's best friends to teach their agents magic because they thought magic would be a really good quality for agents to have, spies to have. So, okay, yeah, okay, so that kid will be that. Well, then if he's good at magic, well, then he's a kid who's used to stand in front of a crowd that's not coming to see him and charming them into interactions. So all of a sudden, his personality starts to come into play. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, and, and one by one, I guess it was that. It's again now saying, well, where they're from and what's the situation? And then let's not be obvious, you know? Let, so let's make the athlete the girl and the brain, you know, or, and you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it just grows from there for me. Okay, so I have heard this story, but I think you should share with everyone else what it was like finding out you were a New York Times bestsellers on the New oh, York Times bestsellers it it was great I mean it was great it was not something I really had much confidence would ever happen it's the kind of thing that you kind of don't want to even let yourself imagine might happen and it's not you know I was not a better writer after than I was before but it is it is a nice recognition and it does it does kind of give you the hint that, okay, maybe you can do this a little bit. So the way you find out, you find out on Wednesday. Um, New York Times 
send, I guess, an email or a link or something to all the publishing industry Wednesday, somewhere like four to five o'clock in the afternoon. And editors look and then they see you, see it, and then the editor reaches out and notifies you. And I knew this from friends. I knew this from friends. I'd been once been with Stuart Gibbs when he got the call and I found, okay, so this is this is Wednesday. And so the week after City Spies came out, you know, I, I'd been hopeful that week, gee, wouldn't it be great if? And then, um, but then when I looked at the initial sales numbers, because we can look at that, I thought, oh, that's not gonna be nearly enough. And so I convinced myself it wasn't enough. It was it was the first week of COVID. So it was the first week everyone was shut down. My wife was a school teacher. She had come home from school and basically she would come home every day and she'd collapse. So she would collapse in bed, she'd take a nap. And I'm like, you know, I could I could stand for a nap right now. But I looked at the clock and it was like, oh, it's Wednesday at five o'clock. What if what what if what if you go and you take your phone up there and then they call and with the like you're on the New York Times list and you wake up your wife and that's not good. And then I'm sitting at this chair thinking this, and I go, James, you moron, you are not on the list. So just go take a nap. So I went upstairs, I laid down, I put the phone next to the bed and it rang 20 seconds later. <laughs> and, and it rang and I saw who it was and I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what are the, you know, there could be something else, but I didn't want to wake it. So I, I, I like, I think they, I think my editor and my, my publisher were both on the call. I think they both thought I was kind of low, low keying it, but I was just trying not to wake up my wife. So I'm like, you know, yeah, hello, what, um, yeah. And, and, and they tell me that it's on the New York Times list and, and they get my agent on and I, I'm talking and it wakes up my wife and, and she goes, what, what is it? And I go, you know, City Spies. Actually, I, I think I said, you know, we, because we are we, we do everything together. I'm like, you know, we made the New York Times bestseller list. And my wife started screaming like she had just, you know, like it was in a, a horror movie or something. She's just screaming, running around the house. And it was a really, lovely, wonderful moment. And I, I, I thought after the initial celebration and all the people that were involved were on the phone call, which was great. And then I just thought, God, I wish my mom were still here. And I wish my 11th grade English teacher were still here because they would be more excited about this even than Denise. You know, the, the, the thought that my wife, Denise, you know, but so it was, it was, it was great. And then when I was on for Forbidden, uh, not Forbidden City, for Golden Gate was really, I, I got a, I got a text from my a, a editor saying, would you get on the Zoom call? I thought, okay, it's Wednesday, five o'clock, the week after release, you know, but on the Zoom call was everyone from Aladdin. There was like 12 people, publisher, salespeople, and all, oh. and all the people who'd made it happen. And it, that was super special. Well, you know, congratulations. Absolutely. Yes. Well, congratulations. You know, you have done some amazing you. work. Thank you. Really no, it, 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 it's the, the difference of it though is is a lot of people in, in at Simon and Schuster, you know, getting it out and advertising it, promoting it, and stuff. So um, I'll, I'll take my bit of credit for it. But it, it it is nice. It is nice. And Stuart Gibbs again back to Stuart. Stuart, Stuart said the first time he he got on it, he ran into this guy. He says, "Just so you know, that's your name forever. That's on your tombstone. New York Times bestselling author Stuart Gibbs." And it's like. I, 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 my, my, I do feel that way. Any, anything that comes from Simon and Schuster lists me as that. It's like, okay, um, I can't call myself that, but if you want to, that's, that's fine. 
Well, we are super excited to um, read City Spies 3. I know it's Forbidden City, and I'm really excited for number four coming out too. I'm excited about all of them, yeah. And we really thank you for joining us today. Uh, before you go, uh, James, t uh, I know that you have um, the website called um, oh. Renegades of Middle Grade. Tell us just a little bit about that before we sign off. I got, I got two websites I want to tell you about. So one is jamesponty.com, and that's that's all my books, but it has on it also all kinds of educational supplements. So the curriculum guides, but even for example, there is one place called Explore. There's a tab on my website called Explore, and and it's a like a an airport departure sign, and you can click the name of any city that the city spies have been to, or any of my characters have been to in a book, and it goes to a page with um, I've made movies about each of the cities. Um, I have I put up the pictures I took when I was researching, um, and 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 it's really a place where you can expand the books into something much more. And there's you know videos and interviews and all kinds of stuff there. And then there's another site called Renegades of Middle Grade that I really love. Um, the Renegades are 32 middle grade authors, some of my favorite people on earth, some of my best friends, but also some really incredible authors. Um, bestsellers, award winners, you know, we've got Newberry winners, we've got all kinds of all kinds of people on there. And it's a great place for people who are interested in kids books, whether they're teachers, educators, parents, or readers to go and find maybe authors they don't know or books they don't know. And you can, you can like there's a page where you can, we have our book covers and it's like, if you like City Spies and you click it and it just shows you 10 other books you might like. That's or if awesome. you, you know, and, and again, the website is as good as I could make it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the webmaster, um, but it, it, it's pretty easy to, to work around. It has on it, I think, um, like 40 different book trailers. It has book talks by Colby Sharp um, about some of our books. It has a lot of fun stuff. So jamesponty.com and renegadesofmiddlegrade.com are both great resources if you love uh, middle grade books. Well, thanks. And thank you again so much for taking time today to talk to us. We are so glad to have listened to your stories and definitely uh, inspired me on some different things and some just the writing ideas. So thank you again. And Brooke, thank you so much for guest hosting uh, him today. And um, had a lot will, of fun. Thank you. We will let Mr. Ponty go and continue on with our rest of our podcast. Yes, we really appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you so much. I I, I appreciate you guys so much. Um, I, librarians are my favorite people. So thank you so much for including me in your day. Thank you. Thank you. I love that James Ponty came on and talked about how he really leans on research in writing his new book series, uh, City Spies. I know I'm so excited. I can't wait to get on my shelf. So Oh my God, you know what that sound means? Lightning round. Okay, Brooke, we love to have you join us. Let's talk about James Ponty's books. Okay, how does this work? You'll have 60 seconds to book talk as many books as you can. Say the book title first, then just go for it. Okay, sure. What do I get if I have the most? Nothing. <laughs> So, Brooke, we're going to have you up first. I'm going to put a timer here for you. And you will have 60 seconds 
to talk, book talk as many as you can of James Monty's books. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. Here we go. Oh, don't forget. Oh, well, we know who the author is. Name of the book. Okay, here we go. We're starting now. In Dead City, Molly joins the Omegas to police zombies. In Blue Moon, Molly and the Omegas track down the original 13 zombies, and Molly uncovers a secret about her mother. In Dark Days, the Omegas fight Merrick Blackwell, who is trying to build a zombie army. Moving on to Frame, 12-year-old Florian Bates works for the FBI with his best friend Margaret using Toast, the theory of all small things. In Vanished, Florian and Margaret must uncover the truth behind a series of middle school pranks that may or may not involve the daughter of the President of the United States. <laughs> in Trapped, Florian and Margaret are determined to catch a spy who is implicating their FBI supervisor in a variety of crimes. Moving on to City Spies, Sarah Martinez is a hacker who is facing years in the juvenile detention system, but gets a second chance when she's offered to join a group of MI6 affiliates spies. In Golden Gate, Sydney finds herself in hot water while undercover on a marine research vessel while the others investigate a suspected mole. And coming soon in Forbidden City, a search and rescue operation on the streets of Beijing proves to be the city spies most dangerous mission yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Nine. 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 Is that Good the job. most any of our guests have gotten? I think she had she may have she may have beaten uh Susan K. Mitchell. Oh, All right. Let's see. Um, all right. Y'all okay if I go next? Go for it. Okie dokie. I don't think I'm going to do as well as, as uh, Miss uh, Brookie there, but who's got the timer? I'm going to set the timer, Leslie. You're up next. So are you ready? I'm ready. On your mark, get set, go. Canyon's Edge by Dusty Bowling. A year after losing her mother in a tragic accident, Nora and her dad have to they celebrate her birthday by exploring a canyon in the desert, but a flash flood sweeps through the canyon, takes away her father and all the supplies, and she's got to figure out how to survive the dangers of the, of the canyon and her past. All 13, The Incredible Cave Rescue of the Thai Boys Soccer Team by Christina Sontornvat. 13 members of this little soccer team decide to explore the caves after practice, never thought they'd be trapped down there. and. It's amazing the chronicling of 18 days of how they and their coach, coach spent underground and all the efforts that were made to rescue them. Wink by Rob Harrell. Ross Malloy thought he'd spend seventh grade trying to survive middle school, but he's got to survive this rare form of eye cancer first. And the odds are stacked against him, but he relies on his friends and he's probably going to have a killer year. Something that's truly memorable. King and the Dragonflies by Case and Calendar. 12-year-old King believes that after his older brother Khalid died, he turned into, into a dragonfly, but before his death, Khalid warned him to distance himself from his best friend Sandy, who was rumored to be gay in a dangerous situation. Oh, okay, there's the I only got three. No, four. 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 You, got you, four. Got four. you got four. And I really want to read the one about the canyon. That looks really cool. Canyon's Edge by Dusty Bowling. And it's written in verse. And so. Dusty Bowling, her verse. other books I've read are amazing. And I have not read Canyon's Edge yet. So the Canyon's Edge. Yet. Read that one. That one really smart. Oh, they all sound good, but that yeah. one just. I love all 13, The Incredible Cave Rescue. It's one of our Battle of the Books books this year. And it is it is so, like, I sit and read it every day because I have, when I have a little time, and it's just amazing. It's amazing. You wouldn't even believe the things that the people went through to get those kids out. It's just incredible. Which wow. Is good. wow. Based anyway. on that true story. Okay. okay. Let's go with Miss Debbie. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Start. Okay, Ember and the Ashes by Saba Tahir. Addictive quality of the Hemmaker games combined with the fantasy of Harry Potter in a brutal world inspired by Rome. Love and Gelato by Jenna Evans-Welch. Uh, her life is upended. 
by her mother's illness and death and she has to move uh, to Tuscany to meet her father for the very first time. She meets a guy, Lorenzo, and eats lots of gelato. It's great. Uh, Ranger's Apprentice by John Flynn. I get an oldie but goodie. Um, He's always been scared of rangers because they're scary and they do magic, but now he becomes an apprentice to one. What happens to him? Um, Scythe by Neil Schusterman. Oh my gosh, a world with no hunger, no disease, but now they're slights who have to carry on the end of death and they are commanded to do so in order to keep the population under control. Another one by Neil Schusterman, dry, the drought or the tap out as everyone calls it's been going on, but what happens when the tap runs dry? How will everyone survive when they have no water in California? Um, the Girl King by Mimi Yu. Sisters Lou and Min have always known their places. Ah. Um, this one, oh man. That was good, you got up to six. Oh, that was the best I've done yet. Yay, good for you. Well, uh, Brooke is definitely our, our winner. So Brooke, yay. Well, I had Congratulations. Time, but yes, and thank just you. take your hand, put it on your shoulder. Yes. Pat yourself nice on the job. back, that's what you win. Nice job. We hope that we give our listeners a lot of new books that they can go and take a look at, or just have maybe books that they haven't thought about in a long time. So let's so, go ahead and check our next our, out our next episode uh, coming up in the next month. And don't forget to put down that phone and pick up a book. <laughs>